Welcome to Woo Woo with Rachel Dratch, the podcast that explores the unexplained with humor and curiosity. Welcome to Woo Woo with Rachel Dratch. Here I am with Irene Bremis. Hi, Irene. Hi. And uh, today we're joined by a very dear friend of mine from way back when. She's a documentary filmmaker who's made amazing movies, but also happens to have just made a few Woo Woo series and documentaries as well. Anyways, please say hello to Ricky Stern. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Hi. Hi, Rickster. Thanks for having me. Of course. (laughs) So Ricky and I have known each other since college, basically, even though... Well, let me just say, okay, Ricky... Even though I'm older? uh, No, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say, even though she's first and foremost one of my best pals, she's also a filmmaker who's made some great movies, so I guess I should lead in with that, but... I mean, the movie that you might know is the Joan Rivers documentary, yes. Piece of Work, that Ricky did with our other friend, Annie Sundberg, mm-hmm. co, what do I say, direct, produce, what, t- tell me, tell us about that one, Rickster. Well, that is a film about Joan Rivers that I directed and Annie was a co-director on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With Annie Sundberg. Yeah. And that one, I don't know if you, did you get oh, to see yes, that Oh, yes, I did. I loved, loved it. it. Big fan, sweetie. And I love Joan Rivers and I love you for putting out such an important piece of work. And, and a piece of work. There you go, and, sweetie. And, and Ricky's you. also made a lot more serious documentaries such as Trials of Daryl Hunt, Mm-hmm. Devil came on horseback. A lot of heavy material. Then she lightened it up. <laughs> and then Ricky's been, you know, her films have been in Sundance many times and all that. And then recently, Ricky did a series on Netflix called Surviving Death. And that's that's where we're getting to the woo-woo of it all. But the very first time I laid eyes on Ricky, <laughs> we were in this class together. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman and she was a sophomore. And the class, it was freshman fall, it was called Deviance and Social Control. And it was a sociology class about deviance. So, of course, I immediately was intrigued. But anyway, there. so Ricky was in the class and I was I was pretty shy as a freshman. I don't know. Anyway, Ricky has very long blonde hair, so she really stood out. And I was like, "Who's that lady?" <laughs> anyway, but then Ricky, <laughs> but Ricky is also she did acting in college, and we were in a play together. So let me just say, I okay, I did theater in high school. Then I get to college, and I'm not getting cast in anything. I mean, I'm I'm despondent because I thought like I thought okay, this is something I'm kind of good at. I hope, but no, I couldn't get cast whatsoever and I was feeling a lot of low self-esteem there freshman year then sophomore year rolls around and I get in this play Two Gentlemen of Verona where Ricky's the lead Ricky what was the character's name oh my god Sylvia I have I can't remember I'm embarrassed to say I have no idea Okay, you no. don't remember. Okay, we I don't have remember. zero memory. <laughs> of anything. Okay, Me especially too, Ricky. college. Me Ricky too. was the lead, and she did, she did a fantastic <laughs> job. And get this, I was one of the ladies in waiting, and I'm not kidding. I'm not being. Uh, this isn't exaggerating. I had zero lines, zero lines. But the reason I did it is because I was finally in the show, and I was like, okay. If I'm coming on here with zero lines, I'm going to do it. And I got to say, it was so fun because I met the most fun people and during Dratch, this play, such as Ricky. And you were the one who cracked everybody up backstage. I do remember you. Okay. And that's and where it counts, <laughs> backstage. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go on. Go what on. about my backstage activities? You were, you Those were, were where the real money was. You were ladies-in-waiting 
dress, you know, that was like yes, a giant that dress. Could take up yes. a chair, and you would just sit there yes. and make everyone crack up. That, I, that's what I remember. All right, so you see, so you see, it was no, but it was really fun, and um, and that's how I knew Ricky. But then way after college, Ricky, you were you, you and Annie were toying with doing a documentary about women and comedy, and you you interviewed me. Now the documentary never happened, but then we reconnected. And we're we're best of buds, and we we hang and we vacation together. <laughs> you do vacation together. We, we summer yeah. together. Yeah. We summer in the Hamptons. She, you really no, do. Every really. time Rachel goes away, I'm like, who are you going with? She's like Ricky. Because Ricky's the ultimate yeah. travel planner, host, <laughs> I'm, chef, I'm, yeah. and glue that keeps a party together and running fun. So anyway, okay. <laughs> but Rickster. So the so of course this podcast is about woo woo things, and I don't think of you as of. I mean, some of my friends I think of as super woo woo. You're not someone who I think of as a very woo woo person. Like you don't talk about like weird fun. Although sometimes at the end of a night with friends hanging out, people start telling little weird ghost stories and such. But but you don't really you don't strike me as that kind of person really. But then you happened to do this series on Netflix called Surviving Death. Which is an eight part six series? part six yeah, part yeah. series six part yeah, okay. six part I added two on okay six part series and you so tell us how you got involved with this surviving death series I think it's based off of a book yeah and you kind of got hired to do this even though it wasn't like oh my gosh this is my life's work but of course Rickster is going to put her all into everything mm-hmm. she does yes because she's the Rickster <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay no, no I needed this ego boost today I've been having okay, a good. very long day oh no okay oh. we gotta we gotta up your this day we're so, gonna up woo woo oh energy and good well good cheer well Surviving Death is a book called Surviving Death by Leslie Kane and Leslie has been researching sort of paranormal stuff uh, for a very long career as a writer she did a book about ufos that is highly acclaimed now ufos are a serious topic but it was very highly Mm -hmm. acclaimed even back then when it wasn't serious because it was she interviewed pilots government officials police so on the record kind of reporting about ufos not just sightings but like people who are credentialed and then she wrote this book she had a partner who passed away and she started to look into the afterlife and look into consciousness and wrote a very thorough internationally investigated book on people who study consciousness essentially and it's a fascinating book and again it's true i'm not a woo woo person i'm pretty skeptical of all of it but i like to bring a somewhat objective view to it so you know i can talk to people who believe it or who have studied it and be open-minded. But people have asked me after doing all this work, and I've now done another series on UFOs, like, what do I believe? And I think I believe that it's worth looking into, but that I have no idea. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think drawing conclusions, I mean, we know that UFOs are real. We know that like there are things out there now. The government has finally come up and said the Navy mm-hmm. pilot, I interviewed the Navy pilots who saw Ooh. UFOs, yeah, yeah, getting some. Pl- All right, well, wow, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so yes, oh, but so surviving death that is based solely on this woman's Leslie's book. Yeah, it's like each because because it's broken up into like almost like chapters. There's like the the life after death one. There's the mediums. Mm-hmm. There's the reincarnation one, which is particularly I love that one. Whoa, that one really blew my mind. Yeah, and um, so you basically took topics in her book and made each one sort of a. A, what, a segment of your an show. An episode. So, and we expand. An episode. And ex- Sorry, that's the right, word for it. Okay, yeah. 
an act okay. trick. No, an episode. But the cumulative effect of watching Surviving Death is, is important, I think, because each episode opens the door a little bit more to kind of understanding the phenomenon of like what could mm-hmm. happen after death. Is there a possibility mm-hmm. of life after death? And it all kind of centers back on consciousness. Where does, mm-hmm. does consciousness live in the body, in the brain, or does consciousness live outside of the body in the brain? And, you know, as we know, we know very little about how the brain works. It's one of the most, you know, sort of least known parts of the body. And one of the theories is that it works almost like an antenna, you know, that tracks consciousness outside of the brain and then the brain you know translates it like a like a television would so that when you die you know and i have great stories about sort of energy you know we're made of energy and when you die what happens to that energy because you can't extinguish Mm -hmm. energy and what can i share one amazing of course yes more than one amazing (laughs) we interviewed this professor from mit deborah blum who wrote a book she was really sort of studying ghosts. And one of her, and you know, she's an MIT professor who won a Pulitzer. She's written, she's, I think she's in history, but she's, and she said like, listen, this is when you start writing about the subject of woo woo, like ghosts, she's like her, her, um, the people she worked with said, you know, this is the only book you can write on this subject. You can't just go down this path. <laughs> Cause like yeah. MIT, forget it, you know? So, right, right. but she wrote this book and she, she was looking at you know, William James, who Harvard professor who studied, he, he studied, he was a physician who taught anatomy at Harvard and practiced medicine and was looking at sort of paranormal anomalous experiences and studying them at Harvard. And ultimately, this MIT professor who was writing about him comes to this idea of crisis apparitions. So there are historically all these stories of you know, one is a guy on a submarine in like the 1940s, World War II. He has this feeling that his grandmother has died. He, you know, he writes it down in his diary. I just feel like my grandmother passed away. I don't know. He, they finally, like a month later, surface. I'm, I'm making it up. I don't know how long you're in a submarine. Maybe a couple weeks later, okay. you surface. <laughs> and he finds out that his grandmother had died. And it was on the day that he had written that he had this sort of premonition. So it's that kind of weird, goosebumpy stuff. But she, this professor, Deborah Blum, tells her own story. She's like, look, I don't know what this is, but I'll just share this one story. Her father-in-law, who she said was kind of a conservative guy, goes to sleep one night and he wakes up at like two in the morning and he says to his wife, oh, my my cousin is downstairs outside. I got to go down. I I hear him. He's outside. And she said, no, I I don't hear anything, honey goes to sleep, wakes up again. No, no, he's here. He's outside. He goes downstairs, opens the door. Guy's not there. This is at two in the morning. And when he wakes up the next day, finally goes back to sleep, he gets a call from a family member that his cousin had indeed shot himself, killed himself at two in the morning. And something about the, you know, and Deborah says, the only thing I could think is maybe energy. Like when people die, you know, what happens to that energy? Is there a way that we can experience that energy and know? So if you've ever had a a relative or something, you know, someone die, you know, you sometimes get that sense of a premonition about it. Mm. I don't want to be so self-deprecating as to say that I have the skin of an alligator, but it definitely is gator adjacent. And I'm here to talk to you about basically what I found to be a miracle product. Have you heard of the skincare company called Osea? Well, 
In the woo-woo of it all, these are products that I've actually been using for years. So you don't have to twist my arm to talk about how much I love Osea products. I've been using their face cream, the Atmosphere Protection Cream for a really long time. And I can tell when I switch to anything else, if I run out of it, my skin does not look as good. So I do joke sometimes on here about how I neglect self-care. But recently, I thought, why not try one of their body products? And I'm here to tell you about Undaria Algae Body Butter. Like I said, I've always had dry skin and I kind of thought, well, that's just how it is. But this stuff works instantly. You will see an instant transformation. I know I might sound like an infomercial here, but I'm speaking this from the heart. I've already told several friends about this product before I even knew I was talking about it here. Woo woo. Skincare is something that's easy to neglect and forget about, but it's also something that when you remember to do and take care of yourself, you do feel better. Osea's TikTok famous body butter is made with ingredients usually reserved for your face. But why should your face get all the good stuff? And right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code WOO at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to Osea, that's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, and use code WOO for 10% off. You will thank me. And, and people, you know, when they talk about ghosts, for example, mm-hmm. you know, we, in our show, interviewed a woman who is like by day, she works in a, in a, as a hotel manager. And by night, like she spends her money essentially going around looking for ghosts. And, you know, all these shows that are like ghost hunter shows, you can question mm-hmm. people's motives because they're getting paid to do this. But this is a woman who just does it. And her stories are amazing. So she's been to these famously haunted places like old prisons, old mental hospitals, you know, people where if you believe in this or if you think that that spirits may get trapped or something happens where they can't be released into the, you know, that energy is stuck. And that's sort of what people might say about Mm -hmm. a ghost is their energy is stuck. And didn't you, as part of surviving death, didn't you spend a night in a haunted home up on, it wasn't like Edgar Allan Poe's house, but it was somewhere like up Oh, in New York? Oh, yes, in yes. New York. Yeah, we went to, oh gosh, it's where Hamilton... Washington Heights? Yeah, it's in Washington Heights. It's where yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda spent mm-hmm. time because um, Hamilton had, had spent time in this house. Uh, so he spent time writing, sort of getting the energy from the house. I'll have to look it up. Um, we did. I mean, we had a very weird experience... Right. Where we really did and no one was there and I don't know what the heck and who knows, but we did hear it's in the show. You, we did mm-hmm. hear what sounded like footsteps or, you know, planks of wood creaking and, and, and there wasn't anyone upstairs because we were the only people in the house except for the caretaker of the museum. It's a museum now. And there's some other little things that happen uh, where we recorded. So there's a way you can, you have to watch it. There was a way you record and then you reverse it and like water helps. And you, we did hear some weird stuff like mm-hmm. Hamilton. I mean, and again, no one's whispering it. I, I have no. no skin in the game that I should have made this up, but we did have some weird experiences like that. 
I, Aaron Burr came up. I think oh, that's, that's it. what it Aaron was. Burr. Right? That's right? It wasn't Hamilton. It was Aaron Burr. And the, she the, knows. the water was like white noise. <laughs> she just watched right? it for her I home. did. I'm trying to act like I have the best memory, but we all know that I don't know what I had for breakfast or what I'm wearing. I have to look down. And I'm wearing fuchsia tights. So that's the sad part. But um, uh, the Aaron Burr right. was, 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 I, I did. Did you I, hear I couldn't it? Believe that. I mean, you do hear well, it. It's. You do hit, yeah, it was like that, you know, like, but you it's can like, hear it. Yeah. Like yeah. It was like, after. Yeah. but you know, <laughs> on, on the tape. Yes. On the, so they, there's yeah. the a tape. method of I like to go recording. Yeah. yeah. And, and you play water. Mm-hmm. There's like white noise. So when you white play noise, it back, yeah. you can hear. Okay. So a big part of like, when you think about it is, and, and interestingly during COVID when everyone was locked down, there were some New York Times articles about it, but reports of ghosts and even UFOs, things like paranormal things were uh, reported. You know, people were reporting them. One of the theories about sort of consciousness and when we can hear things or see things, you know, and, and even if you think about it in meditative states, people get in meditative states and they can experience otherworldly kinds of experiences is that we're we're focusing and and getting rid of the noise of our lives, the stimulus on the Ooh. brain. And Ooh. so that white noise part of it, you know, when we play it back, you can hear it in a way you couldn't just when you're experiencing the world around you. Um, again, I'm not saying this is happening. I'm just saying this is some of the theories. Ricky firmly <laughs> believes in ghosts, yeah. specters, and elves. She's 100% so woo-woo. Put the record out there. <laughs> Believe me, I have gone, no, it's it's a touchy subject when you, because people. I know, when we say yes, that every time, like guests. every show, we're like, we know we're not that. woo-woo, but here's the crazy well, because story. Because people, so, yeah. people get very upset, you know, sometimes if, if, yeah, if, if it's true. against your religious beliefs or whatever yeah. it is, people can get upset. And I was like, well, yeah. just listen to what, yeah. So. Um, so now, I mean, I don't want to like ruin every episode. No, let's the, do it. But the, okay, okay. <laughs> well, Spoiler. It, it's still running on Netflix right now, right? Of course. It? Yeah. It's, we don't know. Okay, good. Netflix okay, we'll check is, it out. everything so, is on Netflix forever. Forever. Okay. So, um, I mean, the first episode, with, I mean, this one's so creepy and sad, but the woman that basically had like a life after, like she was near-death dead experience. for 25. Yeah. Near-death experience. Thank you. She's. And then the, yeah. then the. Then she got messages while she was in the right. I mean, so, this story is creepy. Oh yeah. So she AF, she's a do- as the kids AF. say she she's a doctor, a surgeon. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she is a very reputable person, and she was kayaking in Chile, and her kayak flipped, and she was underwater for over twenty minutes, uh, and it, it wasn't even cold water, you know, because you 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 have people who die and actually have no blood um, pulse in cold and they can come back, but it wasn't even, she was in cold water. Anyway, she was underwater. They, they're able to bring her back. Uh, and when she's going through recovery and her body, everything was, she, she went through a huge recovery, but while she was dead, essentially, uh, and they know she was dead because they had to bring her back to life, uh, when they recovered her. And there happened to be an ambulance way out in the Chilean mountains. Like, don't, don't even ask. She was like, I have no idea why the ambulance was there, but, they brought her back. When she was dead, she had this premonition that her son would die when he turned eighteen. And you know, I thought we we're going. I thought like 
someone told her this? Like, did she right. see some sort of like it, in her spirit yeah. guide or something yeah. like that? Yes, in it her was like information like, fed. To yes, her. Yeah. but that's. I mean, you can call it a premonition or yes, but you're correct. You're correct. But like someone, yeah. in her a thing told her this. Yeah, right, right. Okay, and she's, sorry. Go on. She's someone I think. Um, you know, who might believe in angels, but like some people would just call it a voice. Some people would say light. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, often people experience light, but she, she, she woke up having heard that her son would die young. And I think it was at the age of 18. So, you know, her son turned 18 and, you know, can you just imagine thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and waiting and waiting and waiting. And when her son finally, uh, reached that age and uh, he was alive. You know, it was, she was amazed. And then shortly thereafter, he was a skier, a competitive skier, and he was out training with a friend and they were dry skiing, you know, like on, um, on wheels on the road and a car came around the bend. He pushed this girl, young woman, you know, out of the way and he got hit and was killed. And, mm-hmm. you know, so when that happened, it, it wasn't just that. I mean, her near-death experience um, just taught her a lot about life, she would say. And like this fact that she, you know, was given about her son dying, you know, she was able to, uh, she says she she thinks she was told this because she was able to like process it better, knowing or thinking that it was going to happen, that had already sort of grieved through it, that had kind of tried to make sense of it in the larger world and that maybe, you know, and she truly believes that having lived through her near-death experience and and witnessing sort of this afterlife that like she'll see her son again. So. Wow. wow that's comforting for sure. Yeah, it is. It's very her. comforting. There's yeah. all the near-death, you know, there are groups of near-death experiencers that meet because having a near-death experience can be can can make you you know reevaluate your life and there's trauma mm-hmm. it's it's traumatic you relive it and you and a lot of people have had it they have a lot of commonalities I, I should just say this there's a there's a, a medical group in at the University of Virginia called the De- oh yeah yeah Department of uh, Perceptual Studies and they um, they study near death experiences they study paranormal things and so one of the doctors there has actually cataloged these experiences, because some, some of the ways people might explain it, doctors might explain it is, you know, oh, well, you're, you know, you cut off um, oxygen to your brain and you were having some delusion or, but. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yes. what you wonder. Yeah. These people yeah. who, you know, these are cases where people have died. Oftentimes they're mm-hmm. on, you know, they're in surgery or something and their heart stops and they're not getting oxygen flow. And so it's recorded documentation that they've mm-hmm. died. And then they're brought back. And, you know, another woman in the story who we interviewed, she had interesting premonitions before she died. Mm. She was pregnant and had... Oh, I remember you said... Yeah, she had high-risk pregnancy and she had these premonitions. She was going to die giving birth. She Mm. said to her OBGYN, you know, this is going to happen. The OBGYN said, listen... I'm not going to, I don't know, like you're having this premonition. Who am I to say it's not going to happen? She she had her meet with a, this is in Chicago, had her meet with a specialist like in, basically got blood on reserve for her if she did hemorrhage, mm-hmm. like if, if this was going to, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately she did die on the uh, giving birth. She, they had blood, they, they were prepared for her dying and they were able to bring her back. And in her near-death experience, she also had 
similar to the doctor and many others, you see light, you have a, there's a lot of commonalities in their experiences. And oftentimes, you know, you see people who've died, who are there, who are sort of comforting to you. You have this great pull to continue into death, like not necessarily wanting to come back. Um, and yeah, so those, those stories oh. are sort of, um, you know, you wonder, and there's plenty of people who say, there's plenty of doctors who feel like they have the answers for what that is. And like, it, it, mm-hmm. but there's one other amazing case that's in the show where a woman had surgery and it was a, it was a, a very dangerous surgery. They thought she could die. And they put her under, they actually had to slow down her heart and almost put her in like a coma, but she was, she was awake and she woke up from it with all these different perceptions of, of what happened, like from a point of view of above, exactly. like she saw the tools that were used to cut, to cut mm-hmm. o- open her skull. She had heard sounds, all these things that she could not have heard or heard the doctor say, she came back to mm-hmm. report and she was unconscious. Like there was no brain wave because they were monitoring right. it. Because it was it was a brain aneurysm. That's what it was. And so they had wasn't there around. something like she saw a tool they were using and she was like surprised by the way. Yeah, it was, she was a, like, what was it that thing? Like a ratchet it wasn't set. something you would have seen yeah. or known about. Right. It was yeah. like and a, she saw, a little tool that was almost like a toothbrush tool. You know, like it looked like a little right. round saw. And and she asked about that. And they're like, how how did you even know that? And and she right. said her perspective was from above looking down. Right. Wow. Now there's a doctor at NYU who is actually putting things on top shelves during surgery to see if your consciousness can be above looking down to say if you are what is and you know no one will know what it is but it's you know like putting up a sign that's like a stop sign up there or something so that if someone's perceptions if or you know their consciousness is above them in surgery looking down they would be able to be able to say well what did you actually see right that's smart has yeah. anyone seen it? Hasn't, not that I know of. It's being studied. I, Damn it! I know. Well, you know what? I saw. I saw a near death experience show just the other day. After I saw, you know, surviving death, I started, you know, just clicking around, and there was a woman that died, and then she floated. Same thing. Described all the tools used during the surgery, and then also went on the rooftop and saw a red sneaker. Oh yeah, yeah. What? She's on a, the rooftop. Well, she she's um was a nurse. No, it, uh, gosh, what is that story? I feel like it's in it in my show. I can't remember. Oh, maybe it is your show. I also can't remember shit, Ricky. Okay. <laughs> Ginkgo below. No, that was in your show? I think so. Red I guess so. Oh, okay. well, I she, it's, it's a nurse. Oh, gosh. I don't even remember if we use that, but it's a. Uh, oh, maybe. So maybe you heard about it. Well, there was it. a okay, red sneaker out the window. The nurse is still alive who was tending to the woman. That's who tells right. the story now. She says, you know, I had this patient, and, and when I went and looked thinking like, what is she talking about? There was in fact a sneaker on the ledge oh. outside the window. Yeah. So That's she's, right. she's, no. she's the red sneaker, the red sneaker. Right. Yeah. So now a few other topics. Well, the the reincarnation one, oh, that one, my favorite, is mind blowing. It is. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Like here we are, just like recur- we we're talking every it's episode. It's fascinating. Through. I always but loved it. Many you, lives, many masters. But you, know. you were there, so you there. Basically, you have a few stories of little kids who start saying things that like this kid wouldn't know. Like 
one of them, it was a was a, like a C-list Hollywood actor, and this kid in Oklahoma starts talking about like missing his mother's matzo ball soup, and he's just like six year old in the middle of Oklahoma mm-hmm. and the mom's like what and then and then he knew all the stuff about Hollywood and mm-hmm. so that's one thing which you can go to and then there's a kid that was the, like this is kind of a known story the kid that starts talking about being a World War II fighter pilot and knowing all the stuff about right. planes yes and you gotta watch it because me just saying it is not gonna do it justice. But it's, it's fascinating, yeah. But but, but Ricky, you met with these yeah, people. Yeah, like, I filmed with them. Yeah, yeah. And oh my god, this was crazy. But the kid who was the Hollywood actor, okay, somehow in your show, they have him meet with the family the daughter, the daughter. Yeah. of this actor wow. who he apparently was, and. It's you want it to be this like I mean first of all it's really hard to hear the story without knowing this kid knew so many details like mm-hmm. he knew that the guy had a green car and that and that he said he was born in like nineteen whatever it was and then the the girl the daughter's like no he was actually born a year later and then you find out well he right. lied about his age because he wanted to seem younger in Hollywood so he actually was born in the That's year the right. kids right. like these amazing things yeah. but then you have them. Meet and you want it to be this like really oh my god <laughs> like yeah my dad is this <laughs> in this child I know he's like this but it this was kind of awkward it's kind of awkward filmmaker and, yeah and sadly the memory fades and that's what's sad you know that's what the problem is well that's what it is but wait yeah. as what they do get you older mean? as they get older their memory oh, wait, fades wait. yes as the kids get older yeah. they kind of but tell us something about that because that episode was the one that blew my mind the most yeah so so there's a doctor at uva in the in the med school there dr jim tucker and he studies reincarnation and he you know the reason they look at or or they they are looking for children who have stories is because if you get a whatever 20 year old even a 12 year old who starts to say uh, you know, I really think I'm Joe Namath, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like, well, maybe you saw Joe, you know, maybe you saw, or anybody, maybe you, you read an article about that person or there, it's hard to prove that there was, you weren't influenced by something that you've read or seen as, as, as a person gets older, but at the age of five or even younger, the stories that we profile these young kids. Now, the one you're talking about, the boy is now probably in his early teens, but you know, we interviewed him sort of at 12. No, I don't, I think it was 15 then actually, but he starts to have these experiences as a young child. And as, as you were saying, he says to his mother, you know, when I was on, in when I was on the Broadway stage and the mom's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and that starts, she starts to write these things down. And, you know, as, as Rachel was saying, like he had a crate, well, I want that chicken matzo ball soup, mom. I want that too. And she's like, I, she's this nice woman from not, you know, chicken matzo ball world. She doesn't know from uh, matzo balls. Let's put it matzo, that way. She's like, what? She doesn't know what from is matzo balls. Chicken matzo ball soup he wants. Um, you know, and, and and lots of things that you know. He had a way of this little boy had a way of dressing and liking things. He had old man mannerisms, and they wrote down a list of things that he starts. At one day, they identify. They think who this character is. They're looking through old Hollywood books, like not to identify because the mom has no idea who, what she's talking about. And he says, Oh, there, that's me. That's me. Like an extra. Oh my God. And not even a, oh my God. a lead yes. actor, like an extra in, in an old movie where if you go to the 
back of the book, you can't even find this guy's name. They had to go to the archive to like say, who's that actor in this movie? But once they, and the mom starts to read, she reads a books on reincarnation after this and says like, this must like, I don't know what this is, but this is crazy to the point where the dad who was a police officer He's like takes the book and like throws it across the room. He's like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is not, yeah. you know, this is not happening in my family. But over time comes around and says, how could he know all this about some person? Now, of course, if you Google it, you'll see it. But this was before mm-hmm. the, the internet. This is before the art, you know, all these stories have come out. And what Rachel is saying is that they we went with him to the daughter of this Hollywood actor who's since passed away to his house, to the daughter who's now in her like fifties. And she had a list that the little boy had said, like, you had a kitten, you didn't like her, him, or you had a dog, you didn't like him. And she's reading it. And she's like, you know, she doesn't, didn't want to believe this. Right. Like, she's like, come oh, right. on now. Of course. This is ridiculous. Yeah. But she's yes. like, I have to say, she does say in our interview, she says, I have to say, there's a lot in here he could not have known that I did have a dog mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. That, you know, like I, you mm-hmm. know, and why make that up? Right. What What's even right. to gain right. for any of these people to make this up? Right. So they do meet. And um, I think everyone was disappointed maybe in some ways, because I think, you know, the, the boy himself, that you do, ha- you lose these memories. So they're yes, freshest when you're a kid and the, before you have all your other memories and they do get lost and, and really the mm. connection to them gets right. gets lost. Yeah. And also, wow. well, we don't have to go into each one, but there's also the, the World War II kid, that pilot kid. That one's amazing, too. There's That's drawing, amazing. Yes. Drawing airplanes and knowing all these things about airplanes that he couldn't possibly know. And then there's a whole kind of like a ceremony for him to say goodbye. Kind of more. It's very emotional. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Emotional. I don't get how you can watch that and not believe that. Right. Like, unless I it was agree. like this elaborately staged thing. For the, it just, yeah. it just rings of truth when you yeah. see that. Yeah. Well, even the more contemporary one that we, that we had where this little boy says to his mother, you know, I I liked your hair, you know, basically he's having a, and he was like three or four Mm -hmm. having this vivid memory of, of, of another boy's memory, little boy who had been killed by the babysitter. Mm. That one was so sad. Oh my God. That was really sad. And the mother's like, I have no idea. You know, these people, yes, ultimately some of them went on my show, but it's not like they think, oh, if I call up Dr. Tucker and oh, I write him a letter, totally. I'm going to go right. on some Netflix show. And they don't get paid to yeah. go on my show. You right. Know? right. They're just looking They're for, looking for answers. answers in the mystery They're looking of it. for answers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, it's very, they, very like out of, I mean, of all the woo woo things, that episode is like, that's like a, and, that's a very high belief. It's a high belief um, and it's it's so traumatic. Like this kid went down in a in a fighter plane, you know? So he has to live with that trauma in his next life, which is also so sad, you know? Yeah, it does affect the kids. But I think processing it and look Tucker, Dr. Yes. Tucker is a child psychiatrist. So Oh wow. You know, it's part of the process is just to be able to talk about it, acknowledge it and and then once for these kids that at least that we interviewed, once it's sort of acknowledged and processed, they, they feel okay with it. They can move on from it. 
Right. You know what strikes me about this woo-woo stuff? Often when we're talking with this, I've like Dr. Brian Weiss, who wrote Many Lives for Ministers, yeah. and it's like, well, he went to Harvard and Yale. And, and then like talking about this, like, it's UVA. And it's like, but like the person on the street corner saying this, you'd be like, yeah, you're yeah. crazy. But right. it's like, you feel this, like you have to defend it with academia. But I, right. I get that because it's so easy to dismiss so, anything that doesn't fit yeah. into like, this is science. And then if you go outside of science, you seem like a wackadoo, mm-hmm. but then it does kind of give credence to be like, look at this person right. with their well, they call, they they degrees. Call it like they, PhD. Yeah. they do call there's a bias. It's called like, uh, no, I have to look it up, but it's like a degree bias, you know, like, uh, and so <gasps> yes. there is, so there is that. I mean, I have it. Yeah. We all probably do. Listen, but yeah. 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 Making a pitch and yeah. saying, well, it's a Harvard professor who wrote, yeah. I'm like, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He believes in ghosts. Why don't you? <laughs> so, that's yeah, a, exactly. What was it? I had a, what I used to have a joke. If the difference between school, schizophrenia and, and celebrity is a good agent. You know what I mean? Like somebody <laughs> exactly. could say something and be nuts, but somebody with a good agent has their own show, you know? So that's the difference. But yeah, it's a shame because there's probably so many other stories that could come forward if, if but but you need that uh, validity and that credence. Well, you know, you're seeing it now in the UFO world. Yeah. Is Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have, and now you've done a different series about UFOs. And again, you weren't looking to do this, but you got approached to do a UFO series for... Well, I did it for what? CNN. Where is the, yes. Well, I brought it to CNN because of Leslie Kane, because Leslie is okay, not okay. afraid to sort of explore. In, in a, like She likes to take a serious academic approach mm-hmm. to these subjects that are usually taboo in academia, right? Because if you say, I'm going to study ghosts, they're going to say, and you won't be getting tenure, you know? Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. But she wrote a book. She actually broke the cover of the New York Times in 2017. She wrote an article with Ralph Blumenthal and Helene Cooper, who's a Pentagon reporter for the New York Times. And they wrote about Navy pilots having sightings of UFOs off the coast, east and west coast of the United States. And it was verified. There was radar Finally, the Navy came out and said, yes, in fact, we don't know what these sightings were. And the Navy pilots, who are highly skilled pilots, not just because they're Navy pilots, but they're skilled, you know, would also say, we have no idea what these are. Like, they moved in such a way that, you know, what we know in terms of technology can't move. They're not adversarial technology because they're beyond physics that we have, Newtonian physics so we don't know what they are. And it was for the first time the government acknowledges, as you may know, you know, came out and said, yes, there are, there are many, many things, many sightings, most of which we can identify, but there are some things we, we are saying we don't know what they are. And now for the first time, openly, the government is willing to address and Congress is demanding that, you know, the Pentagon and some of these government agencies are going to address these concerns because they are safety concerns for pilots. You know, originally the pilot, Ryan Graves, who they were seeing many of these things, these objects off the East Coast, said they were told they were radar blips. They were sort of malfunctioning in their radar, but in fact, they weren't there. And then he landed a plane one day and one of his pilot's, you know, friends on another plane said, well, one of those things just flew, we flew between it. You know, it was it was a um, a sphere inside a cube. I have to look it up, but it was you know Whoa. an object that they could see, and so they said this is not a radar blip. This is this is something we've just seen with our own eyes, and and again, a lot of skeptics, people who want to question it, say, well, you saw it with your own eyes, but maybe it was flare or reflection or you know 
fine, but it's also on radar. So all that corroborated that there are these things and now it's being explored. So that's how I got into that. And, and CNN, a news organization, was willing to do five episodes. So we did five episodes. Mm-hmm. It's now, it went to National Geographic Vice. It's on Hulu and Disney Plus. And it's okay. called- And U- what's that called? It's called UFOs Investigating the Unknown. And Ooh, okay. it kind of, it traces- what, like what you were saying, it traces the slow opening the door to science or, or to scientists who are exploring the notion of what now we now they call UAP, what the government was calling unidentified aerial phenomenon, and now they're calling unidentified anomalous phenomenon because there are these mm-hmm. transmedium sightings as well, things that are going from the oh okay. into into water Ooh. and out of the ocean. <gasps> Yeesh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. I didn't you were know safe they were in the water. I, I didn't thought. know there were ocean UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're you underwater. I don't care. Uh, anyway, whoa. Yeah. Wait, what's that been? What's so? What's the underwater? Well, ones? so actually doing a new series now, and and looking at you're going more woo woo by the minute. I'm going right? into a baby. Wait, this is becoming your brand. Wait, what's the next series? It's totally my brand now. I'm like, well, the next series is six episodes on what's going on with UFOs now, and this gets oh, even okay, into okay. the more sort of woo woo. Well. They wouldn't say this, but more of the paranormal Mm. phenomenon, Mm. anomalous phenomenon, which is we get into abductees, which are now called experiencers, you know, like because (gasps) experiencers. Yes, because the experience is no longer just communicated by people who have these uh, what they call high strangeness experiences. There's a term, high strangeness. So many terms. I'm loving these terms. <laughs> I, I am too. High strangeness. That could be my production company. I know. Now. I love it. I think it's that's a great name. High, high strangeness. strangeness and experiencers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the so used to be when you think of abductees as like people in bed. You and, think of your basic anal probing. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Or crop go circles. Ahead. No, really. Do. Okay. No, you do. It, yeah. it was no, not, oh, not anal probing. I'm kind yes. of well, trying now, to joke. Now I'm getting. You can't. You can't. You can't joke about it because I can't say that. Okay. I'm not. Okay, no, she's not that. making we'll fun of it. She I'm doesn't canceled know. by the probed community. Okay, <laughs> no. sorry. No, yeah. they get it. They get it. The- by the experiencers. Experiencers, I'm sorry. You just yes. have to throw in some lightness every so often. Go on. Well, I Go don't want to like yeah. throw in Let's take this again, but um, there, was a, Yo, please. there was a Harvard professor named John. I'll believe it. Anything he says. <laughs> okay, yes. go ahead. Exactly. We're sold. Harvard, I'm sold. Okay. No, go he, ahead. Uh, his name is John Mack. He passed away, but he... He, back in the 70s and sort of up and through the 90s, he had all these patients that came through and and were telling stories that, and then ultimately people came to him who had these stories of, you know, alien abduction, you know, of going to sleep, waking up to beings in in their room, going up on spaceships, having them basically, you know, take their sperm or impregnate them. That whole part of what? it is very Whoa. odd. Okay, I know. That's, I know. That's hard to... Impregnate? It's that, hard that, to that hear. Let me just too. say this. It's hard to hear that and not yeah. think the person has mental issues. Because that sounds right. like a very mental... I'm not making light of it, but that no. sounds like something a mentally ill person would say. Like, no, it does. An I alien mean, came and took I Impregnated by an alien? But it sounds so psych- far-fetched. But okay, I would ahead. say no, but go on. there are many, many people who are, who do not have mental illness, diagnosed mental right. illness, and, or even, right. you know, mm-hmm. 
Because obviously he, he's a psychiatrist, John Mack. Yeah, he, he, okay, right. You know, and the people who were studying it at the same time were ruling out mental illness. Because yes, of course, people can be delusional, you know, right. and, and have schizophrenia okay. and have kind of- Ricky, I feel right. like this is becoming a two-parter. So, <laughs> this is a two-parter. Okay, go it on, is, go okay. on. Okay. Keep going. So he did a study. There's some incredible cases. One of the more famous one is the aerial school in Rua in Africa, which, which a spaceship came down- Beings came out, you know, many, many, many students of the school and that had had mistress, you know, had this sighting. John Mack went several months later and interviewed these students. It's BBC covered it like there's video of him interviewing these students. And years later, more recently, uh, a filmmaker named Randy Nickerson went back and interviewed these students who are now in their 20s and said, you know, how did this affect you? Do you remember this? They all remember it. it they say it did it, it did affect them in such a way that kind of has traumatized their lives. So there's all these. Wow. There, anyway, John studied it. You know, he got a lot of pushback. The theory now was the expanded theory of experiencers. So it's not abductees of the 90s. It's okay. more. Okay. What ha- what a close encounter to an object that's unidentified. Mm-hmm. People have like burns. They have uh, even the government, even our fellow mm-hmm. college yes. mate, has put yeah. into uh, one of the uh, budgets that we should be studying the medical effects of close encounters to UAP on on military because they do have physiological, mm-hmm. psychological impacts when you have these sightings or you have close encounters with them. And so they're actually studying this now or there's money to study it, trying to study it. Wow. Right. They have money to study it. Exactly. Yeah. So what this series is coming up, it's not out now. No, we're just, we're this just starting experiences. it. Yeah. You're, you're just starting yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, I I just thought of something else. Didn't your parents have an experience? They did, but I don't want to color what? my view on things. But because <laughs> I because I, mean, I should probably get I should get Margie and Michael on. Well, my here. mother would call love them to tell you her story. I mean, it's funny because yeah. um, my parents have shared this story of their UFO sighting, not just with me, but people I work with. And this was like ten years ago. They shared this story because I was working on this other UFO series. And again, like this is going to sound like I'm way into UFOs. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm, I know Ricky is really not. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I, yet here she is. I'm interested. Coming up with another series on experiencers. But but my parents' experience was really common. They were driving late at night. They were in Connecticut. There were no lights, you know, no street lights. It's very dark. There was a field to the left as they're driving. And both my parents say a large light sort of came. Uh, my dad said, actually, it was like in a cone shape, um, came across the field uh, my mother remembers there were some interior lights I- inside of it, you know, like going around little balls of light. But they saw it come across the field. And my dad's first thought was, is there a prison nearby? It looks like almost like a prison spotlight, you know, how you might mm-hmm. have like a spotlight. Yeah, right. Like it looked like that at first. And then they realized, oh, that's that's not anything. And it was silent. It was, it was dead silent. Mm. Came sort of... I don't cross the field and now their story gets a little vague because they're like, I don't remember it, but how far it came. But then it just disappeared. Like, you know, they didn't stop the car. They were driving slowly. They saw it over the field and had enough time that, but they both saw it and said, what is that? And then in a flash, it was gone. So who Mm. knows? I mean, honestly, who knows? 
I mean, your father and mother are both saying this, you know, and no, I know, and experiencing and this. My dad now, ten years later, is like, I don't know, maybe it was, <laughs> maybe it was, I don't know. And my mom's like, No, we saw this thing. We don't yeah. know what it is. Exactly. Right. There's an archive at Rice University called the Archives of the Impossible, and it the professor there, Jeffrey Crapel, has collected archives. John Mack, who studied, they have the archives of Whitley Stryber, who was uh, an, ab- oh, yeah. an abductee. He wrote, he wrote Communion. What's the book? Communion. Yeah, yes. he wrote Communion. Okay. And people have written him, thousands have seen them, letters of their own abductee experience. Um, you know, th- those are logged there. Um, there's all these audio tapes of people calling in pilots and civilians calling in UFO sightings. Um, it's just like, there's so much material. There is so but much yeah, never, that it's taken seriously now, you know, like you said, a you little know, they bit have seriously, um, like baby steps. Yeah. Well, more so. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they had that hearing, which is a significant step, you know, where they had the um, yeah. fighter pilots, military personnel, you know, testifying to see. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, know, Rick's, well, oh, I was just going to say, the one the one last thing is that the one way people are thinking about like abductees or experiencers or it almost is more along the lines of what surviving death was like what what. And listen, everyone, you know, people take ayahuasca now they do you know, mm-hmm. transcendental meditation. They do all kinds of ways to like consciousness expansion and they're having mm-hmm. these kind of crazy experiences of going back to birth or like seeing mm-hmm. their, you know, loved ones dead. And the, so does it exist in our DNA? Like, does it exist in a, right. some genetic makeup in our bodies? Does it exist outside our consciousness? Uh, and And is what people say UFO experience, maybe just some other experience not not saying the things that we're seeing in the air or in the water but like that experiential like experiencers things coming in my room or feeling something or sensing something maybe it's not alien but maybe it's some other plane of thinking experience yeah plane of thinking Mm, you know people have had these kinds of experiences for centuries and they used Mm -hmm. to call it angels coming, you know, having other kinds of, and so people studied it to put it in a different kind of context because we don't, we don't really know, but we know that humankind has had these kinds of anomalous experiences. Right. To to have the ability to travel to other dimensions, Mm -hmm. you know, or experience. Interdimensional travel. Yeah. Interdimensional travel. Exactly. Like (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you look at quantum quantum mechanics and you talk about, yeah, you know, what we used to think of as an atom as a solid thing. Now we know it's particles and that it's, you know, that it's not this notion of a wormhole moving through time. Mm-hmm. Which I always think of that movie Contact with Jodie Foster, exactly. which I haven't seen since I saw but which was written by Carl Sagan. But in that, she she sees her dad on that beach. Mm-hmm. I got to go back and watch that. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's watch it together. But the whole like wormhole of yeah. time and space. Interdimensional, like time doesn't exist at all. You know, like everything is happening right now. It's not time linear. Because the past, future, it's not linear. Exactly. Right. It's not linear at all. So... You can just travel in and out. Pass, pass, the, re- the, pass the reefer, man. I know. What pass the ayahuasca, over there? sweetie. I'm having my own reefer. trip right now. I know. Irene's on a... <laughs> Irene's tripping. She I has purple tripping. tights on. I she's am. tripping. I'm tripping hardcore.
Ricky, when you were younger, did you ever have watch that show In Search Of with Leonard I, I Nimoy? Did. Just curious, I did. Yeah, I because did. I was a fanatic of that show. So it's kind of funny that I'm sitting here talking about this because it's sort of this is not this is not my brand. I know we're joking, like this it's is not, not your brand. brand. Yeah. It's not my brand, but I'm I'm still fascinated by the whole thing. It is fascinating. And I used I mean, to be, I, I used to my brand, watch In Search Of religiously, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was a show about all this stuff. Well, me- um, mediums too. I mean, that's why people go to see mediums. Oh my god, right? the mediums. I mean, mediums. The mediums. Oh, I was gonna save that for another episode. Okay. Because that no no yeah, I'm just kidding I'm kind of kidding but I mean on your show surviving death the mediums were the thing that was hardest for me to buy into me too mm. but mediums in general it's not even just your show it's just I know because I sort of feel like if mediums I question if mediums were real wouldn't we all be like like I've just had they, so many they say you can be medium the me a good medium a real medium would say we all have that ability it's like playing the piano not everyone's gonna go you know, to be a concert pianist, but we can all learn to play the piano. Everyone can learn to connect mm. with spirit. That's what a good medium would tell you. Now, did you find, well, on your show, was there a good medium? I did, I did feel like, I'm not even going to say her name because I can't even remember it, but like I did, I did feel one of the experiences we had where we were with a woman who had lost her daughter to drug overdose uh, and was young and was really distraught. When I first met her, she, she herself is a nurse. When I first met her, she was distraught. She went to see this medium and we filmed it. And right away, the woman said, and I know she did not know anything about this woman because we introduced them. Like we didn't say anything. Mm. We sat there. I did okay. sit there while this was happening and like, look at the other producer with me and go like, oh my, and now like, oh my God. Like it was pretty remarkable. But the medium right away said, I can't, I can't, I, she just said, I just have to say, I'm hearing mom, 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 you know, and she had her hand in the air sort of emphatically saying, and like the woman that just like sort of lost it because, so the medium knew right away that it was her daughter or knew that it was a child that, that this woman had lost. Now, you know, I, I can give you all the skeptical sort of analysis of it. Oh, she was a woman in her, you know, 50s. She probably lost that. She probably wasn't coming to talk about her dead husband. Who knows, right? It could have been a lucky guess, but it was pretty remarkable in that moment. She also said, do you have something in your purse that, you know, that was your daughter's? You had, you had, um, you have something in your purse. It's in the zipped part of your purse. And the woman was like, how do you, how do you know? She's like, yeah, it was on my neck. She had taken it off because we had put a mic on her and put it in her purse and zipped it in her purse. It was like her daughter's charm or, or ring or something. Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that. Like, the, but, but what people talk about with mediums it, when, when they really feel the impact of it is when the medium gets the essence of your mist of the person who's died. Now, again, you could say you're reading into it. In the show, we work with a family who lost their daughter. She gets killed in a, in a driving and they're distraught. And the mom is a believer. The dad is not. The mom tells stories of like going into, oh, actually there's video in the, in the, of like going into the kitchen, the lights are flicking on, the lights are, like you have all these people who are trying to contact their loved ones, sometimes have electrical stuff that happens. Again, could it be coincidence? Could you want it so much? You read it in, who knows? But they started a a family foundation to support because they they came around to really have had these crazy experiences that they believed in it to support. They do grief retreats where people who've lost loved ones can go, you know, for whatever they can afford. So no one's making Mm -hmm. money on it. The, The mediums are actually donating their time 
and they connect with loved ones. And some of the connections are really kind of remarkable. And some of them aren't. You know, mm-hmm. some of them you're like, mm-hmm. that's just shooting in mm-hmm. the dark. Mm-hmm. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Rickster, have you ever had a woo-woo experience of your own? I don't know that you have from anything you've told me. And you don't, there's not a requirement. There's not a woo-woo requirement. The <laughs> only one I was thinking about it, the only one that I remember, and again, it, and everyone's experiences are so like personal and you think like, well, but I was running, jogging, and I was in, I was running through this deserted camp in Connecticut. And um, I was at the running, like sort of through the basketball courts. And it was an old camp that had like shut down and I had to stop. I literally had to stop. And I had my headphones on. I was listening to music probably. And I just had this moment of like eeriness and creepiness, not, not fear so much, but just like I did, I was not alone. And it wasn't like someone was watching me, like I was scared. It was like, yeah. I had this uh, feeling that there were children, there was like children's energy, kids. And it, again, that's like not scary or ghosty or anything, but it was so profound. I remember telling my mom, I remember saying like, it was so weird and it really freaked me out. Like I, I couldn't go back on that path. I couldn't go there again. Um, so anyway, it's not so woo-woo, I got to be honest with you, but but it's- Well, I mean, it, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could see if you're at an old camp that no one's there, it would. It would feel like, right. It would feel, it could feel eerie. Right. Yeah. True. I might, I probably just made myself scared, but. But it was very specific <laughs> children's energy. What? Diagnosis? Yeah. Crazy. No, I'm yeah. just no, Diagnosis? I felt like I no, saw I'm that. Totally you know, like I felt like I felt yeah. like oh, Okay. Okay. But, but no. again, you know, you don't, you, well, Rachel, you had your crazy experience in the hotel right yes Yes. i've had a few which makes you partly a medium because you could see uh, well i mean it's along the same line wouldn't you agree ricky one the one thing you said rachel that is interesting yes when you said you felt that woman like sitting on your chest or you woke up that (gasps) second time she was Mm -hmm. pressing Pressing down down. Yeah, yeah 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 that's a common sleep kind of i heard yeah like Like a a world um trope well, I was going to say it's more a physiological thing that like oh. when you're oh. trying to wake up that you actually oh. can feel like a pressure on your chest. Like it's the state. It's like hypnagogia state. Hypnagogic. Oh, yeah. Here she goes. Oh, That's her favorite Finally, word. somebody Irene, after this. You, you win the prize. You, you said hypnagogic. You win the, pri- you win you the, win the prize. Mark. <laughs> and you're double That's daily. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, confetti just fell down on Ricky because <laughs> yeah, she said hypnagogic. No, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, well, they say that. Like a lot of, you know, yeah. explanations mm. for all these what happened at night in this dream right. mm-hmm. um, is, right. you know, that it's physical. And that's one of them that you wake up and you're sort mm. of not quite awake and that that's a physiological mm-hmm. right. we discussed dream that. state and lucidity. Yeah. Rickster. So at the end of each episode, Irene does this pendulum reading. Huh? Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So she, so she has this pendulum that, that swings one way for yes and the other way for no. Do you have a yes or no question that you want us, nothing too too yes, serious, like, and then you're going to say gonna it. Keep you up you're going to say it afterwards, so yeah. it's something you don't mind revealing. It can't be something you yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't do anything that's going to make you sad. Penji, be good. Um. Okay. 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 So it's think on, on it. Okay. Just want you to know that uh, clockwise is yes, counter is no. Okay. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Well, Ricky, it's looking like, like a yes. It's looking like a yes. Okay. I'm not surprised. Now she's going to do a safety. Okay. Now here's safety. No. Yes, it's a yes. What was it? Can you say? It's a yes. I can say. 
well, hopefully my husband won't listen to this. It was it was going to be should I throw him a surprise birthday party? Oh, wow. and she says that it's a good idea, wonderful oh. idea. Yeah, yes to that one. Yeah, okay. May 8th. Put it on your calendar. May 8th. Let me put it on my calendar. <laughs> Evan, don't listen to this. And nobody tell and him. Nobody tell He's getting a surprise party. I was like debating yeah. it. But now, but it, it's funny when it said yes, I was like, of course it's going to say yes, because I should do it. Yes. Why wouldn't it? Right. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to be there with bells on. Okay. okay. All right. Well, Rickster, oh my thank you so much for doing this. I hope we talk some good woo-woo. Oh my God. That so was like, great. so informative. Thanks for joining me on this journey into the world of woo-woo. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Woo Woo with Rachel Dratch is a Q-Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Alexa Gabrielle Ramirez. Edited by Ben Milchev. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.